Welcome on in to the Jazz Talk Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dears. Now, before we get into today's episode, I'm going to just give a quick update on the uh, state of the uh, the channel of the podcast. Um, you know, with with uh, the way my work schedule is and all that, I, I would really like to do a daily podcast, but I, I just don't see it as being a feasible thing. And I don't want you guys, you know, I don't want to put that expectation out there and then you guys are expecting something on a daily basis. Um, so what I, I'm going to commit to here is, um, once a week, a, a jazz talk podcast, once a week, a, a Wasatch basketball podcast. So the NBA, and then once a month we'll do a, um, well, we're waiting podcast. Um, now if I get out more than that, then that's great. Um, but that's that's what I'm going to commit to. So plan is every Monday we'll do Jazz Talk. Every Friday we'll do um, Wasatch Basketball. Um, but other than that, we'll go ahead and get into today's episode. So Jazz right now are... Um, they are 9 and 3 in their last 12 um they had that horrible month of january um they're dealing with guys having covid they're dealing with um donovan mitchell's concussion rudy gobert's calf um and then this month of february they were able to get get things together um they started winning a lot more they started looking like the team they're supposed to be and they weren't even knocking down threes. This last game they played against the Thunder, they were shooting well. But other than that, they have not shot the ball well. It's just they're starting to play as a team again. They got things. They're starting to get things figured out. And while that's been happening, the Warriors have been on a bit of a skid. Um, they've won only two of their last ten games, and now the Jazz, I believe, are a game and a half behind them in the standings for third place. Um, they're not too far behind the Grizzlies. I, there's really no chance of them catching the Suns for, for first place, unless the Suns just completely fall apart these last couple games. Um, but the Jazz are in a good position right now. Um, and as long as they can keep things moving, as long as they can, um, you know, stay together as a group and just really focus game to game, they can, they can, uh, really have something special going here. Now on the flip side of that, the other the other day they played against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, the Pelicans don't have Zion Williamson right now, but they do have a pretty decent big three without Zion out there, with Brandon Ingram, uh, C.J. McCollum, who they just picked up in uh, the trade with the Portland Trailblazers, and then Jonas Valanciunas is a very solid center that they picked up this summer from the Grizzlies. Um, you couple that with a promising rookie in Herbert Jones, um, a really good scorer off the bench in Devontae Graham. Um, they're a good team, um, but they're 10th in the West. They're the last team in for the play-in tournament, and they absolutely ran up the score on the Jazz. Um, I think they ended up winning by 34 points. Um, at the end of the first quarter, the Jazz were down by, I think, 22. Um, so while things have been, for the most part, pretty good for this Jazz team, um, 
I don't know exactly what happened there, but they they kind of got their butts kicked by the Pelicans. Well, not kind of. They did. They got their butts kicked by the Pelicans. Um, and so that's something we got to look out for as we head in to the rest of the season, which is, you know, roughly about 20 games or so. And then especially into the playoffs. Um, if a team like the Pelicans is doing that to you, um, what happens when you have an off night in the playoffs and you're playing against the Suns or the, you know, the Warriors or the Grizzlies? Like, they'll make you look sad. Um, however, it, we got to look at it also as just one slip-up. Um, I know a lot of people in the Jazz community, anytime they lose, especially when they lose big or they lose a couple games in a row, they act like the sky is falling, um, everything's awful for them. Like, during the month of January, I kept hearing from people I work with, they're like, oh, the Jazz, are they're out of it, it's done. Like, it's like, hey, man, it's still the regular season. They're still in fourth place in the West, and they have a good amount of security between fourth and falling out of the playoffs. Like, a lot of security, actually. Um, the thing is, they just got to... They just got to get it figured out. They just got to, um, you know, get the rotation fine-tuned to work exactly how it's supposed to. They need to get some more time on the court with each other, figuring out how to work with each other, how to space the floor, um, and then how to make the correct rotations on the defensive end. You know, the nice thing about after losing to the Pelicans like that was their next game was against the Thunder which is another not very good team. They're not as good as the Pelicans are, but they're, you know, not... It's not like the Pelicans are world beaters and then the Thunder are the worst team in the NBA. You know, the Thunder are among the worst teams, but, um, you know, the Jazz got another opportunity to go against a lesser squad, but get things back together, figure out what they're doing. And in that game, Boyan Bogdanovich set the uh, Jazz record for most... Uh, three-pointers hit in one game. He actually hit 11 three-pointers by himself, uh, put up 35 points. So only two of his points were non-three-pointers. Um, and the Jazz won easy. Um, it was never a game. They they handled them the way they're supposed to. And, you know, now they're it's in a back-to-back, so now they got to play against the Mavericks tonight. Uh, Mike Conley sat out last night's game against the Thunder. Um, cause he doesn't usually play back to backs. So they usually try to pick the game that is the most favored, um, when they, uh, when they have a lesser opponent, basically, um, that's when they'll rest Mike Conley and have him back for the better opponent. So they're playing against the Mavericks again. Uh, Mavericks are a much better team than the, than the Thunder are. And the Mavericks are right behind the Jazz. They're fifth in the West. Now, the Jazz still have about, I think it's either two and a half or three game lead on them right now. Um, but the Jazz play them two more times uh, this season, tonight, and then I think they play them in two weeks. Um, so every game against them is going to count for a lot. If you can beat them, it gives you a full one game lead against them. Um, if you've ever looked at the, uh, the standings in the NBA, so a half a game basically means the one team won and the other team, you know, hasn't played yet. So they have half a game up on them. If that team that hasn't played yet loses their next game, then it would become a one full game. Um, 
But since they're playing against each other, if you get a win, you get one full game on top of that team. Um, so these are it's a very important game for the Jazz. Um, now, there is reports, though, that Rudy uh, Gobert is questionable for this game. His uh, left calf is sore. And this is what I was worried about when he decided to come back before the All-Star break and play in the All-Star game was, you know, his, his calf was giving him issues. And when it comes to the calf, especially in basketball players, you really got to be careful because that's when Achilles tears can happen. And if you you tear your Achilles, you're out for at least a full calendar year. Um, it's not a quick thing that you can come back from. Um, and that's why, you know, if you go back in the episodes, I was talking about how I thought the Jazz should rest Rudy Gobert through the All-Star break, he shouldn't play in the All-Star game and, you know, get basically two more weeks to rest up and recover before coming back. Um, so I'm a little nervous about it because, again, proper, if you would if they would have taken proper precautions, you'd have a lesser chance of this going on. Now, maybe the calf is just really in bad shape. And an extra couple of weeks really wouldn't have done much. I don't know. Um, I'm not familiar with the situation exactly because I don't work, you know, in the jazz facilities. But my feeling is, though, that they should have should have been more cautious with him. Now, the whole situation last year with um, Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs may have scared them away from being more cautious. You know, last year, Donovan Mitchell had that um, ankle injury. Game one of the first round of the playoffs, they were playing against the Grizzlies. The training staff decided to uh, rest Donovan for one more game, and it became a big old thing. You know, Donovan was mad at the organization. They ended up losing that game, and then, you know, he comes back, and, of course, they win the next four. So it looks like they only lost because um, – Donovan wasn't there, although Grizzlies were a good team. They made the playoffs. Like, um, so I don't know. Um, that's why. That's why you don't cater to players. Um, you try to put them in the best situation to be successful. You try to look out for their health. Uh, you pay them millions of dollars. Um but you don't let them the, be the deciding factor when it comes to injuries. Um, you know, the Jazz held him out one game. They probably should have held him out for the next one because by the time they got to the second round of that playoffs series, um, he couldn't jump anymore. If if you go back and watch those games, he was, he definitely wasn't dunking, but everything he did was, was close to the ground. Now, he's such a good player that he was still able to put up, you know, 30 points a night while not being able to hardly jump. But anyway, I digress. Um, so tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks, um, you know, of course, Luka Doncic is the number one uh, player for the Mavericks. And the last time the Jazz played them, um, which was just a couple weeks ago, down when it got to uh, crunch time, the Jazz actually put Rudy Gobert on Luka one-on-one, and it worked great um he was able to stop him he was able to shut down passing lanes um 
you know, Dom, Luca went to drive on him, um, got him spun around, and then Rudy still got back, made the play, and got got the Jazz going back the other way on a fast break. Um, now it's not something they're going to do for the full, you know, thirty four minutes or whatever it is that Rudy plays. They're not going to have him, you know, one on one against Luca, but it's something I think they'll go to a little bit. Um, you know, Royce will most likely be on him for the majority of the game, him and uh, Daniel House, which we'll talk about Daniel House in just a second, actually. Um, those two will probably be on Luca for the majority of the game, but I would not be surprised to see them go uh, one-on-one, you know, Rudy against Luca a little bit more. And the big reason they went to that is since they traded away Kristaps Porzingis, they're no longer fully committed to the big man roster. And so they started going with a roster of uh, Maxi Kleba at the five and uh, Davis Bertans at the four. And so they could spread it out, five out. And then that kind of left Rudy standing in the middle, kind of like what the Clippers did last year um, in the playoffs. And so, you know, last year when the Clippers started doing that, they started putting Rudy one-on-one with um, uh, Kawhi Leonard. And that actually worked out pretty well. And so it looks like they're following a similar strategy going one-on-one Rudy against um, Luka Doncic. So, again, I would not be surprised to see it a little bit. But, uh, uh, again, don't expect to see it for the entire game. Um, Yeah, uh, but two more things before we end this episode. First off, uh, Quinn Snyder was actually named Coach of the Month for February. Like I said, January was a horrible month for the Jazz. Um, there was injuries. There was COVID. It was, it was not good. Um, and in February, they were able to get their guys back and start playing as a cohesive unit again. And it was a very good month for them. Um, and so it was, it was cool to see the NBA recognize that and then reward Quinn Snyder for the turnaround that they had from just a horrible month that could have ended, not ended, but could have really um, messed up their season. We'll go with, um, and they were able to, you know, make that turnaround and get things going again. Um, so congratulations to Coach Snyder. Um, I thought last year he should have won Coach of the Year. Um, ended up going to Tom Thibodeau, which I that kind of ticked me off. I thought it should have been either Snyder or um, Monty Williams from the Suns. Um, so then, uh, last before we go, uh, we'll go ahead and talk about Daniel House. Um, so the Jazz, as you probably know, the Jazz brought Daniel House on on ten day contract uh, when they're going through all the COVID stuff. Um, now, that was a um, hardship one, so it didn't count as a standard. So then they brought him back on a standard 10-day. And then after that that one, um, there was a bit of a period where he wasn't signed to any team. And there, it, it was heading into the uh, the trade deadline. Now, any team, if they really wanted him, they could have you know swooped in and taken him away. Um, now, no team did, and so the Jazz were able to sign him to another 10-day at that point. And then now they've signed him for the rest of the season. So he's on the squad for the rest of the year. I kind of wish that they would have signed him to a two-year deal 
with next year being a non-guaranteed, um, just so that if he does end up panning out, that they could have kept him around. Um, but I'm sure that they can work something out this summer if they really want to keep him around anyway. Um, but Daniel House has become that athletic wing defender that they were kind of looking for. Now he's not on the same level as somebody like Marcus Smart or Jeremy Grant, any of these guys, the big name guys that they were looking for at the trade deadline. Um, but he's a solid wing defender. And against the, let's see, who was it that they were playing? It might've been the game against Mavericks. Maybe it was against the Suns. Anyway, there was a game not too long ago where usually, you know, Royce would be in there on the number one guy, and they went with Daniel House to end the game. Um, That's not to say that House is stealing away Royce's uh, job. It's just that's awesome that they found that missing link that they needed, the thing that they were looking for. Um, now, of course, it would have been great if they could have added another guy like that um, at the trade deadline. Again, they weren't able to do that. But Daniel House has stepped in, has brought a lot of energy to this team. Um, it seems like he's grown up a lot um, over the last few years since his time in Houston, especially his time in the in the bubble. Um, looks like he again looks like he's grown up a lot. He's more mature. Um, he's more ready to help. Uh, contribute to a winning basketball team. Um, so that was a great job by the Jazz going out and adding him, giving him a chance. Again, it was on 10-day contracts, so if he didn't end up working out, then they could have just not renewed a 10-day and moved on to somebody else. That's the beauty of the 10-day contract. That's why you leave a roster spot open on your roster to where you can try out guys um, midway through the season that have been cut by other teams or maybe they're playing really well in the G League, um, you know, whatever the circumstances. Um, <clears throat> oh, one last thing. So before we go, Trent Forrest is still on a two-way deal. He started last night against the Thunder. He's been playing a lot of minutes for the Jazz, especially since Joe Ingles went down. Um, not really sure what the plan is with him. But I would imagine that the Jazz are planning to sign him to a standard NBA contract um, before the playoffs start. Because if they don't, he's not eligible to play for them in the playoffs. Um, so we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Um, I really think that they need to go the route that like the Rockets did with Garrison Matthews, um, that the Thunder just did with Aaron Wiggins. Sign him for three or four years. Um, and, you know, every year past this year is a non-guarantee. So that if, you know, for whatever reason he just doesn't work out, you can let him go. But I think he's a guy that fits jazz culture real well. I think he still has a lot of growth in his game. Uh, he gives them an element that they haven't had in a long time in a backup point guard being big and long and a good defender. Um, yeah. So with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode again. Uh, once a week is one I'm going to commit to. Mondays, uh, 
Jazz Talk Fridays, Wasatch Basketball. Once a month, we'll get out of uh, uh, While We're Waiting, which has been a long time since one of those episodes has come out. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day, and go Jazz!